0: .NET Rocks, episode 1102, with guest Troy Miles. Recorded Friday, February 13th, 2015.
1: So what are you doing now? Listening Rocks, that's what. <laughs> hey Richard,
0: what's happening? Uh, you know, I'm doing still punking along. It's actually nice and sunny here today. Ah, uh, to shut you. up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ever since I put in the heated driveway, no snow. Did you really put a heated driveway in? Five years ago. How many times has it been
1: used? Once. Never. Really? Not even once. Yeah, that sort of happened to us with a with the generator. We put in a Uh, a propane generator after all the power outages you had. yeah we had so many power outages and then we go two years without anything so it's just having it is enough i guess yeah ask me what i've been doing what have you been doing dude i picked up a little side job doing an uh a surround sound audio installation for an exhibit at the mystic seaport well that's nice yeah it's on the the charles w morgan so you're using some of ethan
0: weiner's blocks and things to make perfect
1: sound Actually, I'm not treating the room. No, I'm advising them uh, as to how to do that. But um, what I'm really doing is creating a custom edit that's a 6.1 surround edit. Oh, I see. Of music in the front speakers and then a whale, that sort of whale song that sort of goes around the room. You know, you can sort of hear it moving in a circle around the room. Oh, you'll have fun with that. And uh, I'm writing the player and everything using an audio and a, a WPF kiosk touchscreen. And uh, it's audio only. It's not video. They, they just want people to sit and listen.
0: Huh. Cool.
1: Yeah. Well, next
0: time I'm out there, I'll have to take a peek in the seaport again and see your
1: work. It's a pretty cool place, and I'm excited about the project. But anyway, let's roll the music for Better Know Framework. Awesome.
2: All right, buddy. What do you got?
1: Um, every once in a while, I see people asking about, you know, what can they do to speed up this or get more performance out of that because, right. you know, because quad core machines aren't fast enough, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but I did stumble across the ultimate guide to speeding up ReSharper and Visual Studio. Oh. Yep, and that's at JetBrains, and a uh, link to it at tinyurl.com/resharperperf. Resharper perf. Okay. And uh, I read through this, and I I took a few of their uh, pieces of advice, and damn if it doesn't work. I mean, it, it's just a good checklist to go through if you know you're you're finding Resharper is a little less reactive than you want it to be. So obviously, you're
0: using Resharper. Yeah, I use it. So many tools in this class, but I think Resharper is one of them, arguably the most popular of the bunch.
1: Yeah, it's kind of here to stay.
0: Yeah, and uh, definitely when its perf's not there, it's not as much fun to use.
1: Yeah, I think anything like that, IntelliSense or yeah, you know, stuff that just sort of pops up when you do things, you want it to react quickly. Otherwise, you're you know, Mark Miller has this great thing that he says in the Science of Great UI, which I believe his Plural Sight course is going to be amazing. It's coming yep. up here soon, but anyway. Which is that you get so many milliseconds before y- your your perception is that you did something versus you told the computer to do something. Right. So if it's quick, if it's like 10 milliseconds, boom, you did that. By moving your finger uh, or waving your hand or saying something or whatever, you did it. Well, that's a classic example that is a mouse pointer. So fast, you didn't even think about it. Right. You think of the mouse, I clicked on that. I right. did that. But if you, you know, he, this is the thing he doesn't like about speech recognition. Speech recognition takes a hundred milliseconds or so to come up with an answer. So it, you know, when you say close the window. And then the window closes. It's like you're telling the computer to do that, like you 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 perceive the computer's thinking about it yeah. and then it does what you tell it to do.
0: Like it's it's judging you. Are you worthy of me closing the window? <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs> so so just a little delay makes the difference between your perception of you doing something and the computer doing it. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, so.
0: that's typical Mark, right? That's very insightful.
1: Yeah. Ironic that we're talking about the, the author of Code Rush.
0: While you're talking
1: about Resharper. While well, I'm talking right? about Resharper it. performance.
0: It. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. So who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 1093, the one we do with Chris Love. Where we're talking about mobile first development. Yeah. And this comment comes from PKL728, which is a great name. I see. We'll call him P. P. <laughs> So P says, uh, (laughs) great episode with Chris, as usual. We were having a discussion on the previous episode, and here is my main philosophical issue. For years and years, developers have been trying to find the holy grail of right once, run everywhere. Of course they have. I'm thoroughly convinced that this is not possible. Yeah. In order to achieve it, you make compromises. This is why I gravitate towards Xamarin. They've embraced the fact, although their Forms product is trying to do this as well, Mm. which the jury is still out on, that you can't and shouldn't do that with the UI. Yeah. I'm enjoying Portable Class Libraries to reuse 80 to 90% of my code across all of my native apps and taking care of and effort to create UI experiences for each mobile platform that are appropriate. It's as close as I see us getting in a long, long time. Yeah. I, know, I can't argue with that, you know, lots of merit to that. And and a great reminder that, you know, in the end, Xamarin's building a native product. But I would also argue we have always made compromises. If we weren't making compromises, we'd still be programming in
1: machine code. The thing I love about Xamarin is they they have a goal in mind and they're getting there slowly. And they're, they're fully aware that, you know, it's not a wave the magic wand thing. I mean, you have to actually know your stuff to use Xamarin. Yes. Yeah. So, but, you know, they they do want to get there, but they fully acknowledge they're not there yet. And there's, yeah, the, and the there shifts to boot. Yeah, sure. So, P, thanks so much for your
0: comment. .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at dot com or in any of our mobile apps. We've got them for Windows 8, iOS, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and
1: Android. And that brings us to our guest today. Troy Miles is a Southern California-based software developer. He began writing games for the Apple II, Commodore 64, and IBM PC in assembly language over 30 years ago. After burning out on games, he switched to creating Windows application software in C and C++. And now he develops apps for both web, mobile web, and mobile devices in C Sharp, Objective-C, Java, and JavaScript. He's also a big fan of jQuery, jQuery Mobile, and PhoneGap. But his passion since 2007 has been mobile and mobile web development. In 2011, he joined the mobile development team at Kelly Blue Book. I was just on that website. Hmm. Awesome. His small team is responsible for the KBB.com application for iPhone, Android, and Windows Phone 7, and the mobile versions of KBB.com. Troy also spends time talking to developer groups and maintaining his blog, The Rock Encoder. Welcome, Troy.
2: Good afternoon.
1: All right, you got me interested, the rock encoder on .NET Rocks. You, uh,
2: you rock, do you? I, I almost generally always program listening to rock and roll, funk, um, headphones on, head down, just coding away into the night.
1: Awesome. Man after my own heart. <laughs> and you've been at it a long time. I mean, wow. Assembly language in Apple II. Yes. That's pretty uh, much where it started. Indexed indirect
0: addressing. Oh my
2: God. How do you remember wow. that? He's pulling out some 6502 for us.
0: Yeah. That is, that is still haunts my nightmares. Wow.
2: Uh, not at all. It was a beautiful assembly language. Very small, very. S- actually, you could get quite a bit of performance out of very limited machines.
0: When I have to write to memory to tell it where to write to memory. <laughs> <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> wow. It's old school day here at .NET Rocks. Don't even get me started.
2: Well, the best fun of 6502, though, was that you could also write self-modifying code, Yeah, (laughs) which used to just drive people crazy that had to port games that I wrote.
1: Well, you know, when you have pointers, all bets are off, man. You can do whatever the heck you want if you can do it without crashing.
0: (laughs) Isn't that kind of back with Roslyn now, too? Where I have access to the code tree? I could literally make direct manipulation of the code tree and then execute against it? Yes, but you could do it with a straitjacket on. (laughs) So you will not bite yourself. I'm pretty sure Rosalind will kill you if it wants to.
1: Maybe you could kill yourself with Rosalind. I imagine,
0: yes. Yeah. Microsoft, it's your foot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) All right. We we want to talk to you about the uh, Ionic framework. And uh, this is... um, um, a mobile platform. Tell us about it. Give us the elevator pitch.
2: Well, I, I guess uh, the elevator pitch would be: What if you took uh, Angular JS and uh, Cordova, PhoneGap, and you had a love? They had a love child. What would that love child be like? It would be Ionic. Um, so it takes the best parts of the web, um, the best parts of, of Cordova. I mean, Cordova kind of got a bad rap for a while, uh, PhoneGap Cordova, because of performance issues, and it really wasn't. Uh, phone gaps fault. It was the way people were using it. Right. But what the what the guys at, at Drifty, the the actual creators of the Ionic framework, did was they said, well, what if we limit it to just the the you know the best of breed smartphones to start off with? And we did a lot of CSS3, uh, really point on JavaScript. We didn't try to f- uh, support every mobile device out there, and we just focused on performance, and and on on basically making the the app look good. What could we do? And that's what they did with Ionic.
1: So I'm curious as to if the beta for Ionic was called Doric.
2: (laughs) No one's going to get that except for people that took music.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah, or Greek architecture. Yeah, Greek architecture is where I was going to go. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us how you use this. How does this fit in? Are there big services out there? Is this something that just runs on your desktop? What's the story there?
2: Well, the story is, so it's, the idea is that you can create uh, apps for both uh, I- iOS and uh, Android, uh, iOS 6.0 and up, Android 4.0 and up, um, and they, they look like native, even though they're written with web dev tools. So it's, there's, you're not worrying about Objective-C or Swift, you're not worrying about Java, you're doing good old friendly JavaScript, the language everybody loves.
1: Everybody <laughs> loves JavaScript, and JavaScript <laughs> loves you back.
2: And the guys at Drifty, they're actually developing some services to go along with everything, like more build services. They're creating a lot of, of infrastructure uh, within the command line um, to support lots of things. Like they recently added a resource uh, command, which is, is, is a wonder. It basically goes out, and if you give it a really large image, it will generate all of your icons and all your splash pages, you know, based on uh, not just a, an image, but two images. It'll generate it for both iOS and for Android, which even for the native development, it's a pain because there's so many different device sizes now. Huh. Um, yeah. So they're, they're developing lots and lots of services. And, you know, for me, it's it's a godsend because as a mobile developer, you know, Generally speaking, and in all regards to Windows Phone, I actually think Windows Phone is a beautiful operating system. It's just what are people using out there? Right. And, you know, like 90 something percent of the market is either iOS or Android.
1: Yeah. It's a shame, too, because I have all three. I've used them all extensively and I like my Windows Phone the best. I just wish there were apps for it.
2: Yeah. Well, I know with my Windows Phone, because I actually have all three and I switch around a lot. Um, but the thing I always liked about is just being able to, to touch on the home screen real quick and get, like, updates of what's going on. And, you know, it's, yeah. I thought that was, like, the, the most amazing thing that you could just see, you know, the most important stuff really, really quickly. But um, yeah. back to Ionic, um, the pain point of mobile development has always been, okay, you, you do this really beautiful app and native code. And, of course… The customer or your company or whoever wants it in the other operating system as well. So nothing that you did helps you at all. You know, you might be able to use some of the graphics, but, you know, the languages are different, the, almost everything about the implementation is different, um, so you have to start all over again, mm-hmm. or you have two teams developing in parallel, and the, it's both tedious and expensive, You know, and there's lots and lots of smaller businesses out there, both small and medium sized businesses. There's lots of people out there that have startups that have these great ideas that, you know, from a new kind of mobile app or social media thing or whatever. And it's the big sticking point now is that it's really expensive to develop anything in mobile.
1: So we've gone down the road of, you know, native versus hybrid many times on this show. And have spent a lot of hours talking about it and thinking about it. What I think our listeners want to know is, how does Ionic compare to the things that they do know? You know, the Kendo UI, the Telerik platform, Cordova, PhoneGap, all of those things. Uh, you mentioned that it's, it's sort of like if you took PhoneGap and Angular and put them together. So, do are you really talking about uh, the binding aspects of Angular, the the setup aspects of it, what the navigation aspects of it? What uh, exactly does that mean?
2: Right. So, within Ionic, it is built on top of Angular. So, it's a, a derivative of Angular. It's using all uh-huh. of Angular's uh, framework underneath it. So, it's gives you that testability that and that framework that JavaScript is so sorely lacking. Yeah. JavaScript by itself, if you generally speaking, what most developers do is try to create something like Angular. (laughs) You know, some kind of a way if they're on a team that the team can actually work together and the problem is you're both trying to develop an application to you know and trying to develop a framework at the same time mm. and so you kind of do a half job of of both things you know whereas if you just use angular you've already got the framework part covered and it you know there's documentation there's everything else and it really speeds up the development and it gives you a way that if you actually follow the best practices of angular you can make your javascript testable and i mean it is mm-hmm should be criminal at this point if you're writing JavaScript that's going into production and you're not testing it.
1: Well, they always told us that you could use your favorite toolkits with PhoneGap or Cordova or the Telerik platform, such as Angular or Knockout or anything else that you wanted to. What's the difference between trying to, to you know, roll your own with it versus uh, Ionic?
2: Okay, so I, I would probably say at that point, it's the, the question is, you know, really, what is it that is, is your sweet spot of what you want to do? Right. You know, yes, indeed, you can. I've actually spent a lot of time you know, using uh, Backbone combined with either jQuery mobile or just my own UI stuff. Um, plus, there's another really nice uh, mobile web platform called Chocolate Chip UI, which is just mm-hmm. UI, um, which gives you really nice, uh, close-to-native look um, about everything that I use a lot with phone with a uh, backbone as well but the problem you know that I always say is that you know my job as a developer for KBB for you know when I'm teaching classes and stuff is to do as to to develop the product as quickly as I can because it's it's you know it makes the company more money if the development is done either on time or early and we 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 nail everything down so, I should spend as little of my time as possible doing what I call plumbing code, um, right. getting that infrastructure right, getting all this other stuff right, because you know at the end of the day, you can write the the most beautiful MVC JavaScript framework ever mm-hmm. you know it could blow angular away, it could be better than ember or better than backbone but Nobody in the management is going to be impressed. Sure. None of your customers <laughs> are going to be impressed. Sure. Because what they want is they they want that new map feature. They want that new location feature. They want this other feature. You know, into the application. Um. And you know, we're in a, a essentially in a in a software arms race. Um. All of us. And it, it's it's a it's both a it, it's. It's very competitive and it's also very beautiful because it keeps us all on our toes. You know, we don't have the luxury of a carpenter who learns how to use a bunch of tools and he could build any house, you know, for, you know, the next 50, 60 years, Um, whereas we have to constantly learn new things.
1: Right. So it sounds like it's a great abstraction on top of all of these things that takes a lot of the grunt work out of uh, development and especially in JavaScript, that's always welcome is it is it usable for um, just plain old websites as well does it is it just as good at uh, developing websites with, with angular spa sites perhaps that uh, that you might otherwise do manually
2: um it it it, it, it. For the most part, your site will work, but it is something that the Angular team doesn't recommend. And the main reason is, is because Angular is really, really WebKit specific yeah. at this point. So it's doing a lot of stuff in there, um, very specifically to address WebKit-based browsers, so that it can squeeze every bit of performance that it can get out of there. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I actually have done it. I've actually deployed sort of a test app. Uh, we did. Uh, we do SoCal Code Camp here, like two or three times a year. This year it's going to be three. In fact, we've got one coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I deployed uh, an app there, which is the uh, scheduling kind of app for Code Camp back in November. And everybody that was on uh, iOS and Android thought, "Wow, that's a great site." And everybody on Windows that wasn't on the latest Windows Phone was like. Uh, if they were on 8.1, they saw a beautiful site. If they were right. on 8.0 or 7, they were like, uh, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, this is the problem we always run into, right, is like that all the browsers are a little bit different and actually getting it to work on everything is tough. It's the same compatibility problem you have. Well, maybe not the same, but it comparable to the native problem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know that's pretty much why they've made the decision you know, not to try to support everything. Right. Um, I, I know that when people were, you know, and pr- people still are uh, developing phone gap apps using jQuery mobile, that's the number one thing people complain about is the performance. That, yes, the app works. Yes, the app is rock solid. Yes, it works on iOS and Android, on Windows Phone, on this. But it's a little sluggish. It doesn't yeah. quite look right. Everybody, when they look at it, they know that it's not a, a Windows Phone app. It's not a, you know, Android app because, it the you know, the it doesn't quite look right
1: well and that's and and it's not as responsive and that's that was what yes. i was talking about in the you know before we started the show that just a uh, hundred milliseconds or, or 200 milliseconds is all it takes but you know between the perception of i did that and the phone did that and not that i told it to do
2: in fact i think uh, and I, I i believe it was google somebody from google that said it and I, I hate to give them credit for anything but that their <laughs> quote was that performance is a feature it's and it's the best feature because if it doesn't matter how great of the thing that you do is. If it's sluggish doing it, people are like, "Ah, eh. You know, you could hit one button and it could solve all the world's problems, But if it took a second to do it, people would be like, it's so slow, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just not good enough. Yeah. There's a Louis C.K. bit in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is awesome and nobody's oh, happy. Oh, my God.
2: Yes, he's that's one of my favorite comedians. Yeah, he's Especially a great, he talks in peace. About the airplanes, yeah. <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, the Wi-Fi goes down after ten minutes. This is bullshit.
0: <laughs> and then what happened? Did you fly through the sky miraculously? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And what was the other one that he said that he talked about? That you know, you're in a you're in a chair in the sky. That's right. At sixty yeah. miles an hour. We should all
1: just go. Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs>
2: A hundred years ago, this would have took three months, and half of us would have died. <laughs> <laughs> the other one
1: was when your text takes too long to come, it had to go to space. <laughs> Give it a minute. Give it a second. yeah oh <laughs> uh, uh, well,
0: so I mean, we're talking about a single page app design then, right? If it's angular and so forth. this is so you're trying to make this really native looking experience. Yes. I just i and the thing I always worry about with spas is. Browsers are badly behaved with memory.
2: Yeah, that that's always going to be a problem, and you have to be kind of careful. I mean, a- Angular, excuse me, Ionic does a lot of things that mm-hmm. uh, makes this situation less uh, of a problem. Like one of the things that they have is they have a a component called a collection repeat. Which you know you could have a a, a list of products that's ten thousand long, and it's smart enough to go, oh, you know what? Out of that list of ten thousand things, you're only going to be able to see ten of them at once. So I'll generate like twenty of them and just recycle them through. So the collection repeat keeps your DOM from you know exploding just because of how many items it's trying to generate. Well, usually like in a phone gap by itself with a jQuery mobile, you don't have that ability to do a collection repeat um, through the stuff that's available through jQuery mobile. You'd have to roll your own to do that. And once again, um, if somebody else is gonna is willing to do the plumbing code and I get to take all the glory for it, I'm more than willing to accept it.
1: Sure. And what are some of the things that makes Ionic more performant than uh, just plain old JavaScript or even you know, trying to wedge Angular in there by yourself. I mean, that uh, we talk about the uncanny valley with hybrid apps. I mean, if we're just going PhoneGap or Cordova, is it going to be slower and why?
2: Well, so like I said, you know, by sticking kind of to the best of, of phones, they get the phones that have, you know, more complete implementations of CSS3. Um, and by doing transforms instead of actually moving DOM, you know, that makes, you know, when you're doing scrolling, much faster and seem very fluid. Like literally, I've taken, I've generated, you know, thousands of rows of stuff and just been able to just finger swipe through them all as it's, you know, shooting down, you know, the pages. Um, it's and it's actually pretty impressive. The other thing that they do is that they they've got zero reliance on uh, jQuery, so it's all got just it. native Java native JavaScript. So you've got none of the performance. I mean, jQuery is a beautiful library. Um, and it does amazing things. And God knows, back in like 2006, 2007, I think it literally saved my life. Well, yeah. It <laughs>
1: saved the browser, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it, True. it saved all the DOM problems.
2: Well, back in those days, that was part of my job was to write that plumbing code so that it would work on Firefox. It would work on IE6, 7. Um, oh, but when 8 comes out, it's going to be great.
1: Did it ever <laughs> feel futile? I mean... Uh, that's the experience that I had. It's like, oh, I'm spending so much time getting this. You want to show it to somebody? It's like, next week. Oh, that's yeah. obsolete.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly how those days feel. But one of the things jQuery was not meant for was performance. Yeah. It was. It's. it's it tries to be as fast as it can across a wide collection of browsers. But it's not you know it's the difference between jQuery or a jQuery Mobile and an ionic is that you know one's trying to be every man's car it's it's a Volkswagen it's a Ford yeah. whereas the other one wants to be a really fast, reliable race car. So it's using the best engine, the best fuel. Um, it's giving you everything you need so that you can make this really sweet, very fast application. And I've uh, just recently, um, right now, it's getting ready to go into a beta test. I've been working on an app called Hinter. Um, this isn't for uh, KBB, but this is something that I'm doing on the side. And Hinter, no one guesses that it is a hybrid app at yeah. all. And so it uses lots and lots of photos. It uses, you take pictures with your camera. You're doing stuff. I can't exactly tell you what it is because it's sort sure. of under the app still, but it, it looks like a native app. No one ever guesses that it's not native. Nice. And that's like the, the best compliment I can give Ionic in that regards. It's that, you know, I've been able to create this app on my own, just working on weekends on it. Wow. Um, for, you know, for these guys and it's, it's, no one and i've been able to do it in both iOS and Android at the same time and it looks like native on both of those platforms
0: now it's cordova so it ought to support more than just iOS android right i mean you're talking tizen bada blackberry windows phone like have you tried it on any of those
2: um i haven't tried it on any well i actually have a tizen phone i won one at a at a uh, hackathon i was at once but oh uh, it
0: makes one uh,
2: that <coughs> But the problem that, you know, I have is just uh, I've tried it on my Windows phone and there's some there's some issues. And like I said, it's it's the WebKit reliance. Okay. Um, So because it's it's they're foregoing, at least at this point. I mean, they at one point they were saying that they were going to also support Windows phone. And for some strange reason, Firefox OS, which that's part I don't understand. Um, But I, I noticed now I don't see that on the website anymore.
0: Oh, Oh, so maybe they're changing their mind.
2: Yeah, I think, well, you know what they say when uh, developers say later. (laughs) Yes, right.
1: (laughs) Next time you ask, I'll think about it. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy.
0: You know what time it is? Uh, It must be that happy time again.
1: Yeah, time to discuss the difference between what is coincidental and ionic. Oh, no. Do you get it? Yeah. Okay, good. just wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah, got yes, it. Yes, I understand. Yeah, I no, underst- I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a consonant missing, people. Yes. All right. Uh it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but before I tell you who won today, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile and desktop development with the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle. You can create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-Sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Grimoire Danielson. Congratulations. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Some, I didn't even try. It's a Scandinavian name, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And uh, Grimur just won the Telerik Devcraft Collection, a big pile of awesome from Telerik. And if you don't know what we're talking about here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December we're giving away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of that fan club. But you have to join to win. We also like to ask our guests, Troy, if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology today, what would you buy, sir?
2: Almost assuredly my my thing would be a Mac Pro. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Six core processor, um, probably the thirty two gig of RAM and a five twelve uh gigabyte uh SSD drive, and that'd probably clock in about four and a half or so.
0: Yeah. Now, you're talking about the straight Mac Pro, the, the, the little garbage can-shaped thing? The space can. Space can, okay. Yeah, not the MacBook Pro, but the Mac Pro. The full Mac. Because you can go ten grand on, a, on one of those Mac Pros if you try. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Easy. <laughs> you don't even have to try.
1: <laughs> I have a MacBook Pro, and that is the best laptop for running Windows. Seriously. That's funny. Yeah.
2: That's actually very interesting, because that's what I run Windows on as well. Yeah. And in fact, I... Uh, quite a few developers i know have switched over since they saw me doing it at talks. Yeah.
1: Plus, you know, you get the whole Xamarin stack on one machine. You don't have to uh you don't have to get multiple machines, so it's good for that. That's why i got it actually, just to save that pain. Yeah, exactly. So, are there apps in the App Store on any platform that are using Ionic that i can download and take for a spin right now?
2: Yes, there are. Um so uh, one of my favorites, and it's 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 my ironic choice, is is an app called Mallsy, which is when I fir- first started doing the app that I work on, Hinter. I actually looked heavily at Mallsy because it has lots of images that it, and it swipes them, and you can scroll them, you can do a style. It's a shopping app um, for like uh, male style, and that's why it's my ironic choice. If you've seen me in my collection of worn jeans and. Uh, yeah, Docker shirts. Uh, <laughs> you'd be like, okay, this is not an app that should ever be on your phone, but it is a very beautiful app, um, and probably the one that I would recommend highly to anybody that feels like you know it's a it's a paid app, but it's amazing. It's called Swerkit, um, Sworkit, S W O R K I T, and it's an app that was done by a developer that was he was a pretty uh, novice developer. It's one of those exercise apps that, you know, gives you a bunch of uh, workouts to do and it changes them up so that you keep interests and you work your different sections. But it was actually the featured app in health on the iOS store. So wow. it was good enough that people from Apple looked at it, loved it and made it their featured app. And I think it's been downloaded over 3 million times.
1: Wow, indeed.
2: Yeah, between iOS and Android over 3 million times. And it is a paid app, so um, that is very impressive.
1: Nice. I just installed Mall Z, and I'm signing
2: in right now. We will have you sharp-dressed in no time.
1: <laughs> yeah, anybody who minds my data is going to be very confused right now.
2: <laughs> 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 but, yeah, so there there are quite a few. There's also another one called Keychain, which is – uh. I would describe as a Uber for trucks. Truckers don't like to drive around empty, so they deliver a load to one place. They want to see if they can find another one. They go on Keychain. They say, hey, here's where I'm at. You know, here's kind of where I want to go. Is there a load that I can pick up somewhere along the line that, you know, I can I can make some money off of this trip? And that's what Keychain Logistics does. And it was an app that was actually done initially in PhoneGap by itself. Um, Ionic came out, you know, and it's Ionic is still in beta, but it's been, like, in a stable beta for six or seven months now. Wow. And so Keychain saw it, said, you know what? Let's use this instead of just raw, naked phone gap. And mm-hmm. they were able to port everything over in just a few months and actually put it into the stores.
1: All right. Well, I'm running this on an iPhone 6 Plus, And I can't tell the difference between this and a native app. Hmm. No, it's quite responsive and very, very cool.
2: Just be aware of the skinny jeans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that won't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, <You're> not, <laughs> not worried about that.
0: So, I mean, it seems to me like in some respects this is just a set of tools or a set of libraries that you'd end up building yourself if you were working with Cordova anyway.
2: Um I guess I would probably say and, and it still gets back to my my comments about the the plumbing code is yeah, it would be one of those things that, you know, if you had all the time that you needed, Because, you know, generally speaking, when we're, you know, told that we need to get something out or we're building a new app or we're doing an update to a current app, we almost never get all the time we need to do all the infrastructural tools that we need. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's very rare where your company goes, hey, you know what, we realize that it's going to take you a little bit of time to write, you know, a bunch of CSS classes that are really performant. That it's going to take you time to, you know, get all the the JavaScript that you need just for the in- infrastructural part of the application. So take six months and, you know, just sit back and do all that. No, usually they say, uh, "Can you have this done next week?" and you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's it's one of those things where. Um, it, yeah, I think most people if they if they had the time to think about like what they wanted to do and I think most of us know that hey, there's ways that we could squeeze more performance out of a hybrid app that if we did this instead of you know using javascript we did css if we did, you know, created a bunch of classes, we could probably make it and and we're smart enough to go hey, You know, during the actual build process of of a Cordova app, we can have call-outs to say, hey, this is building an an Android app. It's building an iOS app, and we can put stuff into the actual structure of our application to give the JavaScript a clue that, hey, you're running on Android, so don't even worry about iOS. You don't need to check during um, runtime to see if it's iOS or Android. We're going to tell you at build time what platform you're running on We would do all that stuff because, and and I always tell people, especially when I'm doing classes, is that most of the stuff in all of these frameworks, they're they're not done by magicians. They're not grand wizards. They're not uh, wise old men sitting at the top of the mountain. They're guys and girls just like me and you who just had time to do the thing that we would love to do, you know, if we had all the time we needed.
0: Right. Yeah. You just don't know. You never do. Is there anything we've ever built that we had to rush at some point?
1: It's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me uh is there anything you'd wish ionic did better, or any brick walls that you ran into?
2: I mean right now I mean my my big thing that i I really do wish that it, it would support Windows Phone eight because I actually really like that platform mm-hmm. and i mean it, it's it's if it had the app that it's missing that causes me not to use it as my day the day phone is my wife is in love with this uh chat program called cacao Talk
1: cacao Talk.
2: Yes, it's it's Korean, and so is she. Okay, and and it's a free chat app, and so she refuses to switch, and so I have to use it. And it's only on iOS and Android; it's not on Windows Phone. Mm. So even though I have a Windows Phone and I can switch, and my phone is set up so I can swap the SIM cards out between the you know all three of them, I can't really use it because if she sends me a text message, it's going to be like, well, "Why didn't you respond?"
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: I guess the other thing, and and uh with me and Ionic is I, I wish that they would, you know, hurry up and get to 1.0. I, I know that they're working as hard as they can and they've got, you know, they're a small group of guys up in, uh, Wisconsin, um, doing this, but it's, it's kind of like, okay, it's been over a year now and it's been stable for, you know, the whole, I've been using it since last May and it's been stable all the way through. Um, it's hard to believe that they're, they don't consider themselves 1.0 yet, but yeah. it's, like uh, release candidate 1, four or 14 right now. So hopefully they're going to, you know, because sometimes when you talk to people and you say, well, it's a beta, they beta means, ooh, B is for bad, right? Yeah. So don't use it yet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but Google sort of changed the meaning of beta. I was just going to say, Richard, Gmail's still in beta, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I like think it forever actually officially beta. came out, didn't it? Well, you know, that's the point, though, is that sometimes beta can be a good thing because it means that, hey, you know, if something breaks, uh, you know, it's beta. Yeah. (laughs) It's good for people who are, you know, good for Ionic, good for Google, but... It's kind of an out, really. It is an out, yeah.
0: It's funny. What other features do we talk about here? So, has it got its own set of controls?
2: So, it has two kinds of uh, what they call components. There are ones that are just CSS only. And right. There's ones that are a uh, combination of CSS and JavaScript. So it has like basically all the stuff that you would expect in a mobile app. It has a way that you, for you to do lists. Um, and like one of the things that I absolutely love, like in order to do an infinite list of stuff so that you can keep making you know AJAX calls to get more data as the user scrolling down, it's like maybe two lines of HTML and four lines of code uh on uh inside of your uh angular controller mm. i mean every time i show people that they're like blown away they're like that's it that's all you have to do oh yeah that's it
1: yeah i mean <laughs> basically when the ui needs a, an item it asks for it right it's a virtualizing right. list
2: and you you basically just say well how far down do you you want to the bottom of the list before you make this AJAX call, so you can kind of tune it to your server's performance or how big the actual item that's going to be going into this list is, and you can get that in there. And they also did another thing. Well, that that kind of
1: reminds, before you go on, that kind of reminds me of the Facebook wall. You know, it's just the infinite list. It can go farther down than you're willing to scroll.
2: (laughs) You can go back through your entire history of Facebook.
1: Keep going. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, I'm not done yet.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I try never to do that because I might scroll too far and, you know, go from the current wife back to when she was a fiance and back to before, you know, we were dating. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, science has proven
1: that that activity actually destroys brain cells.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Too funny the and I got to think the CSS components are lighter weight than the javascript ones or is why are they both
2: um well exactly for that cuz so there's a lot of things that you can do just by by doing CSS transformations of one kind or another. And there are other things that you need, both the JavaScript and the CSS to work together. So like one example is indeed the infinite list that, yes, there's a a CSS component of, hey, this list is being scrolled and it's using transformations instead of manipulating DOM in order to move something. Then as it gets to the the percentage point that you said, hey, when it gets within 10% of the end, it's got to call out to some JavaScript, and then that JavaScript, you know, is both in their code and in your code. So you say where you want it to grab the data from, because you could be generating it, you could be making an AJAX call for it, you know, however. And then it's, you have to tell it that you've grabbed the data, so you do a, a, a broadcast um, and so that's all just Angular stuff, right there. It's Ionic, Ionicize, Iconicize. <laughs> ionicize. I don't know. I don't know what the how, how, we into, how we can turn that into a verb. But you basically use their um, cont- uh, broadcast event and say, "Hey, I got, I grabbed you some data. So stop asking, stop asking me for it."
0: Right. I got some data for you here. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I think that they did that was really smart is that you know, especially when you're a a small company and you know you're you're sharp guys, but you're smart enough to realize that you cannot invent everything yourself. You you do what everybody does now. You create a repo somewhere that's a GitHub repo, and they did that with all the Cordova uh, plugins. They're slowly getting them uh, ionized so that you can use. uh, the, I think there's probably sixty or seventy that have been converted so that you can use Angular uh, directives on them as, instead of calling, you know, doing a bunch of JavaScript to call into them. You can do some nice, neat-looking uh, Angular um, directives in order to use Cordova plugins.
0: Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I just think that this art form of doing this clever stuff with CSS, like that's a rare skill. You should harness other people's ability to do that.
2: Absolutely. Um, and, you know, also just a community at large, because, you know, at some point you might need a plugin that doesn't that, you know, want to angularize a, a Cordova plugin. And so you could do it and then share that with the rest of the world.
1: Right. So does it bother you that we're adding complexity on top of complexity on top of complexity? Or are you all happy about that? I mean, we're we're going so many layers up with JavaScript these days, that uh, there's just so many things that could go wrong. Does it keep you up at night, or you don't care unless something goes wrong?
2: No, I I mean, actually, it is something I I spend a lot of time thinking about, especially just the the thing that you think should be simple, like getting people to install it. <laughs> ah. So in order to install Ionic, you you need to have Node. You need to have, like, if you wanted to do a, an Ionic app for an Android device, you have to have the entire Android SDK installed and all of its stuff. You have to have Node.js installed and all of its stuff. You've got to bring in... Uh, Uh, all kinds of different packages. You got to bring in the Ionic package, the Cordova package, which are NPM plugins. Um, You also have to bring in some of the other tools like, uh, Gulp and you know, so there's a bunch of stuff. So you tell somebody that, you know, they're they know JavaScript and they want to get into Ionic and they they're like, you know, well, how do I get started? And you're like, okay, here's this gigantic list of things that you need to install. Yeah. And and you know, most of them are like, Oh, wow. You know, and it makes you really appreciate like something like Visual Studios or Xcode, where all you need to install is just here's an installation app. You double click it and it does the rest.
1: Yeah. Uh, Here's another question from uh, Joel Hewlin. How do they handle multi-platform and targeting 64-bit processors to satisfy Apple's new requirements?
2: The 64-bit question has actually been answered by uh, Cordova. So that's Cordova's side of things. It's now, I think they just, like maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, released the code on their side to handle uh the 64-bit applications and what he's referring to is that apple now says that if you release any new apps they have to be able to run to target 64 bits directly you can't just keep you know that's apple's way of forcing everybody forward um but yeah it that's so that's been handled by cordova it's not a problem that's actually within Ionic's domain getting back to how do you handle the complexity on complexity on complexity
1: yeah well that's good to know
0: yeah, and, and once again, it's sort of a feature of having these abstractions is you, you don't want to think about sixty-four bit.
2: Yeah, right. Absolutely, I agree with that because from a point of view of my code and what's going on in my code, unless I was doing something where I don't know, well, JavaScript has the worst math engine in in, in all of creation. So mm. the idea of trying to do sixty-four bit math on JavaScript, nobody's going to believe that. No. So. How
1: about thirty-two bit math? I'd be happy with that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, the only
0: reason you want 64-bit is you've got a graphical object bigger than four gigs (laughs) on your phone,
1: your phone. phone. What's wrong with you? Stop that. (laughs) Stop that. No, it's not infinite zoom. That's not supported (laughs) on your phone. Oh, man. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Yeah. (laughs) There's nothing else to do in 64-bit. It doesn't matter. It's about memory addressing. Troy, uh, are you going to be any, speaking at any conferences or talking uh, or uh, going to be at any code camps or anything like that anytime soon?
2: Oh, my God. I feel like a rock star because I'm on tour constantly, it seems. <laughs> um, I, I just came from San Francisco to, what, a week and a half ago where I was at the Mobile DevCon. Um, coming up in March 7th and 8th, which is a weekend, there is the free SoCal Code Camp, which is being held at the beautiful campus of Cal State Fullerton. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're in the SoCal area and you want some free knowledge and not to mention just to hang out with other geeks, um, that is the place for you to be and do not miss the geek dinner. I will be in rare form when I've had a drink or two. Free knowledge um, and free pizza. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, uh, what March, uh, 14th, and I'm going to be doing a small talk at the on the campus of ITT Tech in Torrance, California, on AngularJS directives, how to customize them, you know, make them your own because they're probably the coolest feature of Angular that a lot of times developers don't bother to write their own because they think it's too hard and it's actually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do a two day boot camp on AngularJS March 28th and 29th. And then finally in April, 14th, I'll be down in my old stompy grounds of San Diego, California at Mobile Dev and Test, where I'll be giving a tutorial on uh, Ionic and one on PhoneGap.
1: Wow, that's great. I guess that is a loaded question, huh?
2: Well, that's awesome. <laughs> like I said, I, I, I'm on tour. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Although I promised my wife that I was going to slow down a little bit since we just bought a house, and she wants me to do uh, like... Uh, Be a normal person. Things. Yeah.
0: House things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Welcome to house repairs. Take hammer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: fix. Absolutely. You're male and you now stuff. own a house.
0: Just... You, you must know how to do
1: roofing. <laughs> this is how I do roofing. Uh, I get on the phone and I call the roofing guy and the roofing guy comes over and does. It. That's, what yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Hey Troy, it's been a pleasure talking to you.
2: Absolutely. I mean, thanks for having me on. And i like I said, I've always been a big fan of your show and. And I, this was a blast.
1: Well, great. Now we're big fans of you. So keep it up and keep in touch.
2: All righty. Thank you very much.
1: And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.